0: chapter ten of the splendid Outcast* by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the samaritan when jim horton came to his senses after his rescue he found himself in a small room overlooking a pleasant façade of gray stone tinted softly by the pale morning sunlight it was some moments before he managed to gather his scattered wits together and out of the haze and darkness in which he had been groping for two nights and a day recall the incidents of his escape piquette he remembered but what was this room there had been a cab drive late in the night he had been carried up a flight of stairs as he turned in the bed he was aware of a figure which rose from the corner of the room and approached him it was an oldish woman in the neat uniform of a maid she smiled monsieur is awake and then moving toward the door madame shall come at once but when piquette entered the small room attired in a gorgeous pink lounging robe of silk and lace and wearing a boudoir cap embroidered with silken flowers and golden thread she dazzled him for a moment with her splendor and he did not recognize her she came forward to him quickly and laid her cool hand on his brow ah mon petit c'est mieux and then in english how do you feel better but everything doesn't seem very clear to me yet you must have some food and the doctor will be here soon jim horton glanced about the small room would you mind telling me where i am he asked this room is in the hallway adjoining my apartment you brought me here last night she said with a smile And a beautiful time we had getting you up the stair i-i remember a man with a lantern and then a struggle with you helping through a passage to the river a boat a voiture and in here she added as he paused he put out his hand and fingered the lace of her sleeve why why did you do this for me piquette she caught his hand pressed it in hers and then rose abruptly what does it matter you shall talk no more until after the docteur has seen you she- later in the day after jim horton had slept again piquette visited him dressed for the street in a few words she told him how she had guessed at the double identity then confirmed it and then how she had discovered the means harry horton had employed to get his brother out of the way she dwelt lightly on his rescue from the house in the rue and explain quite frankly her own relations with the criminals. C'est la grande vie, Monsieur l'Américain. She said with an expressive gesture. You remember perhaps what Monsieur Valcourt has said. I am still de vrai gamine. I know that vilain Pochard, since I am so high. But why have you done this for me, Piquette? when you found out that i was not my brother oh la, la who can tell perhaps i like you a little the night in javez the thought of the adventure perhaps but more that, uh, tricot and uh, le saint-jonglier they would have thrown you in the river monsieur you saved my life yes you see monsieur monsieur she paused in search of a name my name is jim orton jim c'est bon ça jim orton there wasn't anything else for me to do you were a good american who had fought at la boissiere for france and for me and he had not it could not be that you should die but there are many things i do not yet understand if you would tell me jim horton was silent a moment thinking deeply you were a friend of my brother's he put it more in the form of a statement than a question yes jim horton she said before he went to the front that does not matter now i can assure you what happened at Boisier wood mon ami Beauchard told me what Harry horton said and she related it as nearly as possible in pochard's own words jim horton listened smiling slightly until she had finished and then i had intended to keep silent about this thing piquette but i'm not going to keep silent now i'm going to tell the truth whatever happens to harry or to me he would have killed me no she broke in i think harry was frightened at what he had done he wasn't too frightened to get those chaps to knock me in the head he put in dryly then broke off with a sudden sense of the situation i hope madame that you do not care for him she had been watching him intently and now put her hand over his No, no, Jim Horton," she said carelessly but tell me the truth he looked at her for a long moment no one has a better right to know it than you and then without ornamentation he related the facts from the unfortunate moment that night when he had put on harry's uniform and gone into the fight until he had met his brother in the rue de Tavennes. she heard him through to the end you have not told me everything Gimorton. and then significantly about madame madame Horton. he frowned and then went on with an assumption of carelessness the situation was impossible as you will see i would have gone away he shrugged if harry hadn't saved me the need of it but now he paused and clenched a fist he has much to answer to me for she was silent for a while watching him a coward i might have known she murmured after a moment in the conversation that followed many things were revealed to jim horton many things to piquette he learned from her own lips every detail of the story of quinlevin's plot against the duke and what was to be moira's share in it and he listened in anger and amazement as to her relations with de she spoke with the utmost frankness he was not a pleasant person and to her mind for all his money and position possessed fewer virtues even than the outrageous bochard and his crew who at least were good-natured villains and made no pretences the duke was stingy cruel self-obsessed and degenerate why she had not cut loose from him and gone back to live in the quartier she did not know except that it was comfortable in the boulevard clichy and she was tired of working hard he found himself regarding piquette with interest the type was new to him but he liked her immensely she might betray her duke, but in her own mind she would have perfectly adequate reasons for doing so as to moira little enough was said if she suspected anything of his tenderness in that quarter she gave not a sign of it but he could see that the facts as to his brother's marriage had come as a surprise to her and now she Morton, said piquette the next morning when he had strength enough to sit in a chair by the window what are you going to do about it he thought for a moment you have given me my life i should dislike to do anything that would give you unhappiness as to that mon petit she said carelessly you shall do what you think best you know perhaps that tomorrow in the place de la concorde your brother harry is to receive the croix de guerre he had forgotten but the announcement had no effect upon him it does not matter he muttered what he had been thinking in his moments of wakefulness was of harry going to the studio in the rue de tavenne moira was his wife would she like piquette learn at once of the deception or would she accept him you do not care for the honors you have won asked piquette breaking on his thought they weren't my honors But you bear the wounds, yes, and their proofs. My brother will find it hard to answer. But tell me, Piquette, what you have heard. Do they suspect you of having carried me off? Piquette laughed. No, I saw Emile Pochard last night. He does not dare speak. Tricot, Harry, Le Singe. I saw them at Pochard's. They think you are a devil it is the police who raised him most the police some one followed Ari orton to the house in the rue Charon and told the police They came just as we escaped your brother was lucky to get away who could this have been i don't know but what does it matter since you are safe and then after a long pause no harm has been done except to your poor Ed we must let the matter drop Jim morton it is better so if that is your wish piquette yes it will be safer for us both for you because you must keep an hiding for me because i have a reputation at stake. his eager look inquired her meaning emile pochard would never trust me again he laughed and you value the friendship of monsieur tricot no but i know the law of the apache it would not be pleasant to have one's throat cut and be thrown in the same the true meaning of the danger that she had run for him gave jim horton a new and lively sense of his obligations and responsibilities to this strange creature he caught her hand to his lips and kissed it warmly how can i ever repay you he blurted out her face flushed gently and she regarded him with eyes almost maternal what a boy you are she laughed but a stranger to you to have run such risks to have made such a struggle just because you knew i was helpless it amuse me jim Horton. sometimes i think it is fear that is de grande passion when one has tasted everything else in life fear to succeed in an adventure like this and nous voilà quite safe and comfortable and each of us has made a friend is not this worth all the trouble piquette he said you're a wonder i'll never forget ah yes you will mon petit she broke in with a shrug you are different from Arry. you are always le grand sérieux it was what i noticed at Chavez you will love much but you will never lie just to make a woman happy and me you will forget Gimorton. never he said stoutly never piquette you are the bravest squarest woman in the world she laughed again Alors, for that i shall kiss you mon ami and she did with a friendly frankness upon the mouth it was a very pleasant sanctuary this into which fortune had thrown him but deep in his heart jim horton knew that piquette had read him truly he was no panderer to women's caprices and he could not forget the tragedy of the woman he loved which might almost be laid at his door you do not mind my kissing you mon she asked no i like it said horton with a laugh but piquette knew life in the streets of paris had given her a sense of the fourth dimension and curiously enough her prescience only quieted her made her a little graver matching her mind her mood to his he provided a new sensation this outcast hero who owed her his life and yet was to pay her only in gratitude jim horton was penniless for with an irony not lost on him the money he had gotten from the bank had gone to pay tricot and le singe their price for his knock on the head the clothing he found himself in had been none too good when harry had worn it and the incarceration in the filthy cellar had done nothing to improve it outcast he might be but he meant while he had money in bank at least to look presentable so piquette got him a blank cheque from the bank which he made out and piquette cashed and the next day when he was able to go out he bought himself a suit he came back in the afternoon and with much pride exhibited his purchase she gave the clothing her approval and then shrugged and now M'jim you'll be going away n'est-ce pas is it not better piquette i have not the honor of monsieur de vautrin's acquaintance oh ça! she said with a quick gesture Il est bête. he would never know jim horton put his hands on her shoulders and made her look in his eyes that's not the way piquette you are too fine not to see i can't be an object of your charity any longer because it's his charity i owe you my life i want to pay but not like this i want you to see my gratitude in my eyes the depth of my friendship i want you to know that what you've done for me has given a new meaning to courage and unselfishness she turned her head away as he paused and then gently took his hands from her shoulders i can pay piquette he insisted quietly you do not love the duc de vautrin come away from here with me i have a little money i can get more from america we will find you a place in the quartier where you will be happy until you have the home you deserve and you she faltered what i do doesn't matter an outcast she started you will leave paris i do not know she released her fingers quickly and went to the window looking over the rooftops in a long significant moment of silence and the other woman she spoke the words distinctly and yet he thought she must have misunderstood Biquette, i what happens between you and your brother's wife she asked quietly he had no reply and while he hesitated she turned slowly and faced him i know mon petit she said with a smile i have known it from de first you love her c'est dommage it is a pity she is very beautiful they say. i am a fool piquette you are not de first in the world he sank on the edge of the bed wondering at his own confession i was sorry for her for her innocence married to a man like that she was kind to me i played the part and kept silence they were going to use her Palmer, off as de vautrin's child he paused and looked up at piquette aware that the topic that he had not dared to broach now suddenly loomed between them piquette faced him gravely yes mon ami she said and the rising inflection was very gentle i do not know what you wish to do piquette and it is not for me to say but before i was hurt i had planned to find out all the facts of this conspiracy and tell both harry's wife and the duc de vautrin you have given me the facts do you want me to use them piquette was silent a moment regarding him with a smile well mon ami has anything happened to make you change your mind he looked up at her in wonder Piquette, i thought he began but she broke in lightly you shall do what you wish but it is a difficult game you play and dangereux. you do not know monsieur quenlevin if tricot is de wolf and emile pochard de fox it is berry Quinlevin who is the tiger harry orton knows he is afraid what you call eat out of his Hand, I've got to beat him, Piquette, eh bien, but remember he is not a man to be easily vanquished. He is very quiet, very cool, le vrai gentilhomme, but he has sharp claws, jim orton, a thief, and Vautrin she broke in, Monsieur le duc is no better than he. He did not care how he got the money horton paced the room slowly in deep abstraction but in a moment stopped before her and caught her hands in his piquette he said gravely you were in this thing i don't know why or how because a woman with a soul as big as yours oughtn't to be stooping to this kind of rottenness for a long while she made no reply but she turned her head away and looked out of the window i can't change the way i was born jim orton she said quietly he was silent aware of the false situation and thinking deeply i've got to tell her the truth piquette he said at last another moment of silence and then piquette turned toward him both arms outstretched you are right mon petit you shall go to her and tell her piquette je ne fiche pas go it is nothing to me jim horton had risen and put his arms around her turning her face up to his and kissing her gently she made no resistance but she did not return his caress you are too good for him piquette she stirred uneasily in his arms and then released herself go sheen she said go will you meet me tonight at javet's yes au revoir mon brave she watched him go down the stair and then turned in at the door of her own apartment jim horton was no squire of dames but he couldn't be unaware of the attractions of this lovely pagan like her he was an outcast and their ways perhaps lay along the same paths to oblivion but before he started down that road he had a duty still to perform a wrong to set right and he meant to do it without delay if harry had succeeded in ingratiating himself with moira he knew that she must despise him for his betrayal of her credulity but he meant to seek her out just the same and tell her the truth about barry quinlevin as he knew it he wanted to see her again just this once in order to try and justify himself in her eyes for his imposture and then he would go he didn't much care where but he realized as he crossed the river that it was not going to be an easy matter to reach her unobserved he knew that harry must be passing some uneasy moments and it was better that harry didn't see him just yet but there was the watchful madame toupin to pass and it was still half an hour until dusk when he hoped to slip through the gate and up the stairs meanwhile he found himself a lodging in an obscure street and then with his hat brim pulled down walked into the rue de tavennes and boldly approached the familiar gate madame horton he asked oui monsieur she's in do you know the way nothing could have been more simple madame toupin had pulled the latch without even looking at him chapter ten